0: All right, so let me paint a mental image in your head. You're in the gym on a typical chest day and rep after rep, you crush your muscles and push yourself to further agony. Meanwhile, you're thinking to yourself, WTF, why am I doing this? You look around and there's 50 other people who for some sick reason share the same sadistic quest for pain that you do. Then you think back to the American classic, pain and gain featuring the critically acclaimed Marky Mark and no funky bunch but the Dwayne the Rock Johnson detailing the story of two bodybuilders who got involved in a kidnapping scheme. While this isn't the story of a kidnapping scheme, this is the story of your way to success. We will be diving into the relationship between pain and gain as we tackle the questions of how we build muscle, the role of pain, and what you can do today to maximize your gains. The Mental Rep. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to The Mental Rep, a district podcast where each week we dive into the complex topics of training, nutrition, and recovery with a roundtable discussion led by top professionals in fitness and performance. I'm your host, Jorge Diaz. And I'm Scott Gunter. Daniel Belay. And gentlemen, how are we doing today? Doing pretty good.
1: Doing pretty good. A little,
0: a little painful.
1: Keen. There he goes. Can't,
0: can't <laughs> resist swearing in two minutes. It's Dan's personality, man. It's it's the way he breaks into each episode. You know, he just kind of like lets it rip real quick, and then you know we get into the topic. Any client wins for the week, folks. Oh, Our little buddy Sid. I hope that he's listening to this because he
2: loves that. Um, hit a big PR on squat today, uh, yesterday. What did he hit? 145, 145 pounds, and his best in competition yeah. last year is 121. He hit that for a triple yesterday. And he weighs in at? That's a fantastic question. I want to say about 120 pounds. Yeah, he That's looks like 120 pounds. Yeah, probably 120 pounds. And keep in mind, doesn't sound very impressive, but let's remember, this kid's 13. And so, just started when? I think he is going to be coming up a year in July, actually, with us. You so know. pretty exciting stuff. Going to be competing in powerlifting, coached by our, you know, he's not here. He hasn't been here the last two weeks. Cool, man. I'm in Hawaii. Coach Neil. Um, But yeah, so Neil's been doing a great
0: job with the kid. I got to ask you guys an honest question. How old were you when you first squatted? Like body weight? Just how old like, were you? No, how old were you? Like with a barbell? or Yeah, with a bar, Any type of squat, you know? Well, I mean, I feel like babies. Have you ever seen a baby squat? I feel okay, like okay. I like natural progression. True, 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 true. Crawling. Okay, let me rephrase that. For me, I, I think I was like 17 or 18, even though I had stepped into the gym when I was like 13 or 14. So it took me about three to four years before I, from when I started uh, lifting, just generally lifting, whether it's with dumbbells, whether it's bench pressing, whether it's any of that, to finally start squatting.
1: Yeah, my, mine was probably around high school too because you go into the gym after track practice or sports practice, and there's not a lot of guidance there. So you go up with your friend to a barbell because those are cool, and you do two exercises that people know, bench, squat, and you get crushed under both. You yeah. probably do it with bad form. You're on your toes, your knees are coming in, but obviously you add more weight to the bar. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, it's granted it's You must add more weight to the bar just because you have your boys in there pushing you to limits that you shouldn't be pushed to. I mean,
1: it had my work cut out for me, had to completely rethink my squat pattern several years ago and kind of work <laughs> my way into better position.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. interesting. So today, gentlemen, our topic of the day is something that um, you hear a lot about that on the internet. Um, I don't know. I, I think every trainer tells you that you should be eating more protein. Um, oh, you hear hey. about this on um, those nutrition bars that boast eight grams per snack bar. Um, And then you might hear the term being tossed around protein synthesis. Um, So today we're gonna talk about everything that surrounds protein and protein synthesis, Um, but mainly as it pertains to an athlete and for those that are training, this protein synthesis is strictly focused on the training aspect, uh, how it affects your training, um, how it affects your recovery. Um, but mainly your stimulus response adaptation.
1: Let's go back to that analogy in the beginning where you were talking about lifting and putting yourself through agony. We all do it, but I feel like people don't understand what they're actually doing. What we're doing is trying to get adaptation from a stimulus. The stimulus that we're actually putting on the body is weight training, resistance, forms of stress. So when he says stimulus response adaptation, that's a form of curve essentially that, it's a chain of events where the body is really good at adapting to things. If you put stress on the body in a certain area, it's going to respond to that. If you put stress on a bone, if you break a bone, if I punch Jorge for about an hour, he, he might get a little bit of increased bone density or bone growth there because the body just wants to respond to the stresses that are placed on it. So because our body is so good at that, we can use strategic exercises, we can use resistance training to put extra stress on the muscles that we wouldn't normally experience just walking around doing daily life. And we can get a response out of that where the body says, okay, we need to be stronger. We need to grow. We're going to lay down some more um, some more protein. We're going to get protein synthesis. But what also occurs with that is is this what's called catabolic and anabolic pathway. We have a certain period of time where we are essentially putting stress on the body. It almost breaks down a little bit. And then in response to that, we're getting this anabolic pathway where the body rebuilds itself back up.
2: So essentially, like what you're saying is just like resistance training is going to be a thing that's going to help us break down. So that's what's going to create the adaptation. And then so we basically just need to just refuel and build it back up. So but you're saying
0: I don't make my gains in the gym.
1: I'm saying you make your gains because of the gym
2: after the gym, if you do the right things. I like the way you said that.
1: But on top of that, if you don't do the right things you can make what's the opposite of gains
0: regresses i guess (laughs) (laughs) seems so obvious to you guys so guys what is the definition of uh protein synthesis that is what protein is for right so what's the definition of protein synthesis
1: before i lay this up for dan protein synthesis is the adaptation part of that stimulus response adaptation curve we get the stimulus we have this response. Our adaptation is when protein synthesis is occurring.
2: So protein synthesis to break it down is just simply the metabolic process that describes the incorporation of amino acids to bind to the skeletal muscle, um, with protein. So what are amino acids? Hmm. Oh, (laughs) we weren't going to talk about
0: that yet. We're were talking
1: about protein all the time. And usually, unless you're in the gym, unless you're in a supplement store, you don't see amino acids too much. You might see them hidden on labels, but protein is the big buzzword. Essentially, we don't use protein, we use amino acids. Now, proteins are built from amino acids. You get these these chemical structures, amino acids that are put together in chains. They're wound over each other and kind of tightly packed, and and depending on their organization, there's a lot of different amino acids that can make up a protein. And that's where we have these different protein types. Now, most of the proteins that we see are going to be either a whey protein in our milk-based sources. We have plant-based proteins. There's proteins in pretty much a good amount of the foods that we eat, just in different proportions. So we take in protein and then our body breaks it back down into these amino acids and then we use those amino acids to get that adaptation and funnel into that protein synthesis.
2: That's interesting. We're going to be diving into, I guess, your thoughts of, you know, when you see people drinking a jug of amino acids, Mm. what are your guys' thoughts of that? Because
1: so precision nutrition kind of lists it as a waste of money as a not
0: super effective or you also distinguishes that as a waste of money.
1: I but they also recommend it for people who are trying to develop lean muscle mass and not really trying to build if you're looking more at physique or or fat loss. They will say have it during a session. But I think there's more important things.
0: But I think for that sake, with in my opinion, if you want your amino acids, you should just drink a protein shake before <clears throat> your workout. The um, protein shake, whey protein consists of, of uh, all the branch chain amino acids and the essential amino acids that you'll need, especially if you're drinking whey protein. Um, I would assume now, to be honest with you, I just recently started doing this. I assume that because you're drinking like a whey protein, which often is derived from milk, that you would go into your exercise a little nauseous so you would assume that it would upset your stomach but reality is unless you're doing like a hit exercise where you're actually jumping up and down or you're moving around and you're really swirling those things in your belly and you're making going upside down basically just don't do like a uh, an hour or a session of jujitsu after drinking protein. I just this wouldn't recommend it.
2: Sounds personal and oddly specific. I guess I'm curious, because like, I feel like we get that question a lot, um, talking about amino acids, since you see all the gym bros walking around with those colorful jugs. Yeah, uh, I think those, so. I think we can all agree it's a waste of money. My but,
1: debate for that would be, is water important for mm-hmm. muscle gain?
0: Yeah, I think it's different because they're trying to scrape up every bit of gains that they can possibly do. And they're really pushing their muscle fibers beyond the limits. You know, they don't really believe in the... I don't want to generalize and assume that none of them believe in this, but I'm sure that there are a lot of them that have the philosophy that they shouldn't stop when they have two reps in reserve. They should keep going until there's no more and then do another Mm -hmm. set of the same style. Um, That's just the mentality... I guess I used to have when I was doing bodybuilding many, many moons ago. Um, And when I had that mentality, and if you're going to be pushing yourself to those limits, I, uh, you know what, I think to that, I say, hey, if you have the money, if you have the disposable income, if you can put some money towards amino acids, additional supplements, and you've already taken care of your, uh, caloric intake, you've taken care of meal timing you've taken care of your recovery, you're taking care of all of those factors. Yeah. Why not? Go ahead, drink some amino acids, especially if they're delicious.
1: And that's my next point. It honestly helps some people drink more water and maybe consume that larger jug during, during the actual gym routine. And it's not going to hurt. So if that's making you drink more water and it tastes good, and you're getting a couple extra amino acids in there, it, it, we say it's a waste of money. Don't waste your money, but it really isn't that expensive. So if you're going to do it, it's not going to hurt. You just aren't really going to use extra protein that your body doesn't need, but that's pretty complex to determine the exact amount that, that your body uses and absorbs. So just topping off the stores and making sure that you have a little bit extra is
0: probably beneficial. We've been talking about amino acids for a while. Let's define some of those amino acids. So I so I just wanted to make sure I wasn't uh, leaving any stone unturned. Um, so just to break things down, you have your branched chain amino acids. It says here that these are essential amino acids with protein anabolic properties. So we're looking at valine, leucine, and isoleucine. Those are the three. So, right? Um, And then you have your essential (laughs) amino acids, which these are essential because your body cannot produce these. Correct. Mm -hmm. So um, there are nine of them from what I'm seeing here. Uh, Nine essential amino acids, uh, histidine, isoleucine, leucine, lysine, methionine. uh, I can't pronounce (laughs) that one.
1: Phenylalanine.
0: Thank you. Uh, Threonine tryptophan, valine. And so those are the essentials. You have your branched-chain amino acids, and it seems like every all the other amino acids are amino acids that your body can get from other foods. Um, I also read here that the essential amino acids, these nine amino acids that I've just mentioned, those are very commonly found in forms of whey protein. I also noted that something such as like pea protein may have less leucine, which is essential for protein synthesis to take place.
1: Which is why many of the plant-based proteins that you see available for purchase now at least are combined sources. It's not just pea protein, it's not just rice protein. It's usually a combination of three different sources to. At least get as close to possible as getting um to getting a complete amino acid profile
0: so let's talk about those different types of proteins so i have here some notes on soy protein so uh, apparently the stigma around soy protein is that too much soy protein may increase levels of estrogen which is counterproductive for someone who's wants higher levels of testosterone for increased strength or increased muscle size adaptation there's an idea or oh, that Estrogen, higher levels of estrogen is produced because of soy protein, but soy is fine. Uh, you'd actually have to go through super high amounts of intake to have negative effects.
1: And what I've read is it it can produce what's called estradiols, which your body can sometimes interpret as as estrogen. It's to keep it as simple as possible, but like you said, you would have to have a super high amount for it to actually have negative effects. And usually the effects that you get on something like testosterone from natural means is really, really insignificant in the grand scheme of things. So people are even looking at certain foods that can raise testosterone. And for the most part, they really don't raise it enough or, or fluctuate enough to have a significant effect. And and these are people who are usually not doing all the other main things. So mm. Obviously, your, your sleep, your hydration, your, your regular nutrition and recovery.
0: Okay. And then diving into casein, um, casein is known for being slower digested. Yeah, I actually did one. a
1: lab in college where we separated the casein from and, the and whey? whey protein from, uh, from milk. From milk oh, interesting. I it's immediately, immediately cool. took a shot of it. Did you? Stimulate protein synthesis. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's actually different. disgusting.
0: Um, That's not true. So, to quote Barbell Medicine here, uh, when Speaking of casein, um, it does more slowly release amino acids into the bloodstream from the gut, but it's too slow to actually raise blood amino acid levels high enough to effectively drive mu- muscle protein synthesis unless you dose it much higher than whey, which is the king of proteins. So, and I'll get into whey protein in a little bit, but uh, to quote Barbara Medicine again, um, they believe that it just is too slow for it to be effective for protein synthesis?
1: I would say if we're looking at it from the perspective of, you do your workout and then I want a form of protein to help spike my blood aminos in response to that stimulus to get adaptation from that workout, probably a little bit too slow because um, your protein synthesis is usually in that, I mean, it's usually 48 hours after, it could could still be spiked 48 hours after. So and I was
2: reading somewhere around 72 even.
1: So uh, it, but it's for different, a while. different per the individual, Depends on the type of uh, resistance training that you do. It depends on your adaptation levels and what's called your mTOR pathway. Um, but what you see most people using casein for, if they are using that, is a lot of people will use it to prevent that catabolic effect. Maybe they'll have it before bed because, oh no, I'm going x amount of hours of sleep where I'm not taking in nutrients during that time. Maybe my aminos are dropping. Maybe other things are are changing that I'm not getting this spike of aminos. Maybe I want to get this slower digesting protein in that helps
0: maintain those levels and help eliminate that muscle waste type of thing and again i i think that's the whole intention behind that is that you are trying to leave no stone unturned if there is, is even the slightest indication that you might be entering muscle atrophy or in sarcopenia sleep? in older adults or sarcopenia in uh, older adults um you know why leave any stone unturned? You might as well just consume some before you go to sleep so that you can avoid that at all costs if it is actually possible. Jeez. Um, Pea protein. All right, pea protein. Um, To be honest with you guys, I am not a fan of pea protein. My girlfriend takes pea protein because uh, she is allergic to uh, whey. Um, It causes some irritation <coughs> in her skin. Um,
2: is that, uh? it's called dairy issue?
0: Yeah, like a dairy issue. Oh, she just stays away from dairy. Say- Moving on to whey protein. So again, to quote Barbell Medicine, because I'm really a f- uh, big fan of their work. Um, when it comes to whey protein, uh, Dr. Jordan Fagelman believes that whey protein is the king of all proteins, and I tend to agree with him, subjectively speaking, just because I haven't really reviewed any scholarly articles. But it drives a good point um, that whey protein has about three grams of leucine per 20 grams serving, whereas brown rice protein has three grams of leucine per 40 grams serving. So that's almost twice the amount of volume consumed just to consume leucine which is again necessary for protein synthesis to occur so now let's talk about optimal protein intake um i think first and foremost the optimal amount of protein intake depends i know that's not the 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 sexy answer that people are looking for but the true 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 answer is that it depends it depends on age lean body mass dietary preferences i would also say
1: goals and activity level too when you
2: say age do you mean biological age or are we talking training age
0: no we're talking about biological age because as you age your body becomes less sensitive to amino acids so it takes more amino acids to get the same effect
2: i would also argue to say that like um Training age would be an important thing as well because, you know, somebody who, like uh, biological age, you also do become less sensitive to protein synthesis as you become more resistant trained or resistant training.
0: I wonder if that's um, the case. Oh, yeah, I was actually
2: reading that in, the, in a research study by RMIT, the Royal Melbourne Institute of Technology in their exercise physiology. Um, just what it was showing was that, like, training response so similar to how training adaptation you require progressive overload because you know you benching a bar can create stimulus to grow the chest when you're 13 you've never trained before in your life opposed to 10 years into your training career a bar is going to feel like nothing sometimes you may even just be like hey i need to warm up with more than just the bar Hmm. start similar to the protein synthesis of all right i need to have x amount of protein But as I'm starting to become more trained to become less sensitive towards that stimulus training age, I'll toss that in there
0: as well. I'd also like to note that there is a known refractory period to muscle protein synthesis, meaning that you should be consuming protein every three to five hours because you're going to reach your limit on how much protein or how much muscle protein synthesis can occur based off of the amount of protein available in your bloodstream, because that kind of recycles every three to five hours. Again, barbell medicine. Um, There's a known refractory period to muscle protein synthesis, uh, which we can think about on a gross level as muscle growth recovery building. Uh, Every time a large enough dose of protein is ingested, an example, one that provides enough leucine and essential amino acids to push the muscle protein synthesis reaction over the edge, There's about a three to five hour factory period that must transpire before another dose of protein, either in a meal, a protein shake, et cetera, will yield another bout of muscle protein synthesis. So instead of trying to consume your your prescribed 300 grams of protein in one meal, it's essentially useless because you're going to be peeing all that out or peeing out what you don't use. You should so what would you say is that an out. optimal amount of protein, grams of protein to consume at one sitting? In one sitting, the most optimal amount that you should be consuming should be somewhere between 20 to 40 grams of protein, in my opinion. Of that, three to five grams consisting of leucine amino acids.
1: So if we're talking whey protein, if you have these 100% whey products, they seem to have about 10% leucine protein content. So what that would mean is about 20 to 25 grams uh, in a scoop, which usually seems to be the average serving. So most of these ready to drink shakes that we have available, it's usually in the 20 to 24. Sometimes you'll see the like muscle builder ones that have 30 to 40, we'll say, are those actually necessary? But in that 20 to 25 gram scoop, you're gonna have between two to 2.5 grams of leucine. So you're saying uh, around three grams
0: yeah, I want to shoot up a little higher just in case, uh, for some reason, let's assume that when you're cooking the food, you're losing some of that uh, nutrient value um, just because when you cook food, some of the nutritional value does diminish.
1: So, because there Good really point. isn't a drawback to having extra protein, I mean, you're kind of just going to excrete what you don't use, but it's not like certain vitamins that may have a toxicity above a certain level. It is okay to overestimate a little bit to make sure you have those stores topped off and you're getting the amino acids that you want, essential to build muscle if that's your primary goal.
0: And you know what's interesting? Um, Doesn't Precision Nutrition actually advise us to have about two palms of protein-based food items in every meal? And about a a palm of proteins consists of about four ounces. So if we're assuming four ounces of chicken, just for simplicity, uh, two palms of that would be eight ounces. That's about, I'd say somewhere between 35 to 50 grams of protein, depending on whether you're being generous or a little stingy on the sizing so for
1: those who don't have the visual precision nutrition is a close (laughs) precision (laughs) nutrition is a company disclaimer i'm certified through them but i like their teaching method as far as nutrition because they instead of weighing things out for every single person where maybe a physique competitor bodybuilder might need to actually get a scale out put their protein portion on a scale put their carbs on the scale and get everything measured specifically many individuals don't have that or aren't going to be able to stick to that. So they have a system where they break down food selection, um, your plate creation based on hand size. So a palm, your size palm is going to be a portion of protein. And that's also relative to your general needs, because usually smaller people need maybe a little bit less protein intake based on lower body mass, they're usually going to have slightly smaller palms as well. Um, but keep in mind there are other protein sources in that plate so we also have your your veggie portion that's going to be one fist size you do get based on the veggie um, based on your carbs that you have there you do get some proteins from those as well so um, it's really just making sure you're getting whole lean sources of food making sure you're getting those stores topped off but yeah that's going to put you around that uh, threshold goal that we're looking for
0: so let's talk about concrete numbers here because we've been giving a lot of general information but just to spit out some facts here or some stats uh the current recommended daily allowance provided by the national academy of medicine or the uh, of the national academies in the united states for dietary protein intake for adults is 0.8 to 1 gram per kilogram now again that's just for the general person who's moving that's not for the trained athlete um, for the trained athlete, I read somewhere, again, I like to quote Barbara Medicine of uh, somewhere between 1.6 to 3.1 grams per kilogram. Uh, Dan, I think you found something differently than
2: that. Yeah, I think it was 0. 0.7 to uh, 2.3 kilograms from, uh, again, the same MRIT
0: institutes in Melbourne. And then Scott, I think you found something different. <laughs> Somewhere uh, within so that I've, ballpark,
1: I have a yeah. They're all within the same ballpark. So I have a couple other things uh, from Precision Nutrition. Their basic recommendations for basic protein synthesis are saying that you don't really need to consume more than one point four to two grams per kilogram, which would translate to zero point six four to zero point nine grams per pound uh, of your body mass of protein per day. Um, what they would say is if you're a hundred fifty pound person you should or could be taken in approximately 150 grams of protein Um, now another good source for looking at the research and um, in relation to dietary needs supplements is examine.com so what they do is in as unbiased a way as possible they're not affiliated with any nutrition team or or supplement companies they basically take all the research that's available on a specific topic and sift that down into what's actually proven, what hasn't been proven, and they come up with these consensus uh, statements. So if you go to examine.com, they are a website that basically sifts through the research, looks at every article that's available on a specific supplement or topic, and they say what this supplement or or nutrient does, what it's been proven to do, what it hasn't been proven to do, and they kind of filter out all the Um, tabloid information that doesn't really make sense and give you exactly the facts. So what their recommendations are for protein supplementation based on and not just supplementation protein intake in general based on your goals are and bear with me, this might be a little confusing. But if you are an athlete or highly active person, and you are currently trying to lose body fat while preserving lean muscle mass, so you're highly active, but you're also trying to lose body fat and maintain your lean muscle mass, they recommend a daily intake of 1.5 to 2.2 grams per kilogram body weight, which translates to 0.68 to one gram per pound of body weight, which is, um, I believe, what Precision Nutrition was also recommending. Now, that's slightly different than if you are an athlete or highly active person and you're not trying to lose body weight or you're just somebody who is just trying to lose body fat while preserving lean muscle mass. And that's going to be a slightly lower range at 1 to 1.5 grams per kilogram body weight or 0.45 to 0.68 grams per pound. That would be a good target there. The third category they list is sedentary people not looking to change body composition just for general health reasons and preserving current muscle. A good daily target is much lower than those. That would be 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight or 0.36 grams per pound body weight. And they, they say upward. So again, you can always overestimate that. You will generally just excrete extra protein that you take in, extra aminos. Um, it's, it's not really going to be detrimental.
0: Um, yeah, that's interesting. So just to summarize what you said, basically you're saying that if you're sedentary,
1: you're not doing much. Your lowest end should probably be around 0. 0.36 grams per pound body weight on the upper end. If you're an athlete trying to lose weight, if you are have a little more active lifestyle, you're trying to lose weight, but still preserve that lean muscle mass, you're going to have upwards of one gram per pound. Um, but I've also seen much higher in people like bodybuilders or highly anaerobic athletes. So that's deviating a little bit from what the research is saying, but I think this goes back to Jorge's mantra, leave no stone unturned. If you're doing everything else and you have high metabolic stress, you have that stimulus adaptation recovery curve, your stimulus is incredibly high. You might want to add in a little bit extra. It's not going to hurt you, but it's going to make sure that the amount that you actually
0: absorb is still within that range. All right. So gentlemen, this is all the science stuff. This is all the stuff that gives us credibility. You know, All the research that we've gone through uh, ensures that we know what we're talking about. Now let's talk about the stuff that is a little bit more, uh, hmm, how do I say, personal personable um such as challenges like how do you consume so much protein let's say i'm, I'm coming at you as someone who's brand new to the fitness industry um i am trying to focus on protein and dang it is so hard because i just realized i don't eat that much protein i only eat protein like once a day i eat a lot of fat i love cheese i love my french fries some have some, yeah so it has some protein but now i'm struggling to have protein because that's what some of our clients do i I hear that so many times is hey man i'm struggling to eat protein i didn't realize i struggled this hard and i think that's
1: that's probably the important factor there because we have a lot of our clients start with just a reality check of what you're currently doing we'll have them use something like a my fitness pal and just track what you're actually doing because you may think i'm having adequate protein i'm having adequate calories or maybe i'm not taking in as many calories that i want but if you track for maybe three weeks exactly what you're eating on a given basis it's going to highlight some of those areas and say maybe i don't take in enough protein maybe i am only consuming protein once a day and maybe that's why I'm the so-called hard gainer that seems like it's it's challenging to gain weight. So for those people, you could take certain strategies where maybe you first teach them what the protein portions are on their plates. You can show them that, that hand, hand guide, that obvious thing is going to be your lean meats, but then introducing them to other foods that are included in there that also have protein to help boost that number up a little bit. Second, I would look at their lifestyle and say, why is it that they're only consuming this spike of protein one period of time? Maybe it's they're on the coaching floor, maybe they're a coach and they are really only having these these quick snacks like these carbohydrate, these quick bars, maybe some fruits and stuff like that, that they can get down while they're coaching nonstop. Maybe we look at a protein shake for somebody like that person. Granted, most of our food should be whole minimally processed food sources, but if the alternative is I don't get as many nutrients as I want, then maybe getting the shake or ready to drink for that person, ready to drink protein, that's just the protein that's already mixed for you, not just the powder, maybe getting that in their diet just to start the habit of having that could be beneficial for them.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. My, um, just you know, um, I had that experience with my girlfriend Matilda. Uh, she actually uh, noticed that protein was really difficult and she noticed that she uh, would typically leave protein items like foods that are high in protein for last just because they weren't the most delicious or and flavorful. What do
1: proteins that are high in protein also do?
0: Proteins that are high in protein also do. Not protein.
1: Foods that are higher in protein also generally can make us feel full. For longer um, periods of time. For longer periods of time. So if you are somebody who's looking to lose weight, a lot of times simply just increasing your protein intake is going to help you with that because you tend to feel a little more full. You tend to um kind of stave off that those cravings a little bit and you have less appetite um so if she's saving them for last she might not have an appetite for that she might not be able to get through all those foods
0: and so when she switched that and when she started consuming protein first thing in the morning making her protein shake um made by yours truly i make her protein shakes oh wow that's so sweet (laughs) um she realizes that she's fuller for longer periods of time um she's more likely to hit her protein goal. so one piece of advice that i give to everybody that are struggling with protein intake is make sure that's the first thing you consume in the morning because it's typically going to be the thing that you run out of in terms of prescribed amounts of protein as the day progresses because you started off with 25 grams you feel like you won uh you have higher levels of self-efficacy meaning you have higher levels of perce- perceived achievements as it pertains to protein consumption so Start off with protein consumption early in the morning, drink a protein shake, maybe two scoops, start off with 50 grams. If you're a 200 pound male like me, then you're already a quarter of the way there. Um, Then you fill in the rest with those whole foods, meats, carbohydrates, peas, um, any other food items that may include protein. But I think that you should always have that at the forefront of your mind is protein first, because, as you mentioned, Scott, for the person that's trying to lose weight, or the person that's trying to get stronger, with the mentality of protein first, um, they're more likely to have higher le- levels of satiety. Um, they're more likely to perform better in the gym, and they're more likely to have elevated levels of self-achievement because they're able to hit their goals mm. more easily.
1: Absolutely, and I. I- I think food choices can be uh, a pretty important thing for that too. When we're talking about how to get more protein in somebody's diet, my, my biggest thing is I am always on the go and I need these sources that like I can't always sit down and have a steak or sit down and have grilled chicken in the middle of my day. So sometimes you need something like a, a jerky, a, a, like one of those chomps meat sticks that are actually Mm. uh, minimally processed. Uh, So I actually have this, um, precision nutrition also has a good infographic on the different macronutrients carbs fats proteins and instead of breaking it down into good foods and bad foods they break it down into eat more of these foods eat some of these foods eat less of these foods so we're all going to have eventually we're going to go to mcdonald's or have fast food once in our life maybe eventually last night actually (laughs) of course you did so that would be from that eat less category but it's not a you didn't fall off the rails if you have that but i'm just going to review some things from the eat more protein category so in protein we're going to have high protein sources that are minimally processed you're going to have your eggs and egg whites all your lean meats and your fishes Um, generally i would say the red meats shouldn't be every single day but that's a topic for another day but those also are very high in protein other things are yogurt Greek yogurt, plain Greek yogurt is usually going to be the healthiest as far as minimally minimally processed, less sugars, less additives, um, but also high protein content. Cottage cheese is actually pretty much predominantly casein protein, but it's it's more of a natural. And then uh, tempeh, um, but then also important to note, lentils and beans are also pretty high in protein, and in certain cultures, insects.
0: Believe it or not. Oh yeah, um, I love me a good cricket.
1: So in in that some category, you also hear you also hear um, things like paleo diets or, or things that are just eating um like bacon all the time that i wouldn't put in that eat more category so we have canadian bacon meat jerkies in your eat some category again if my alternative is not having protein intake mm-hmm. then maybe i want some meat jerky but i'm not going to have it every day and then obviously the processed uh foods the uh, processed soy high fat ground meats High-fat sausages, those are going to be in the um, eat less category.
0: Give me a ratio. I think a way to like standardize the good, so-so, no-no levels of foods. So good is going to be minimally processed. You
1: can hunt, kill, gather, fish it. Um, The middle category is going to be a little bit more processed. Maybe it has some kind of label, maybe a little higher in fats. Mm -hmm. uh, So the, the less good cuts um, that sometimes maybe taste a little bit better, but are higher in saturated fats. And then that no, or, or less good eat less of this category. Those are going to be the ones that generally have labels on them are very processed, um, and, and, and also very high in those, um, uh, saturated fats or maybe trans fats or unhealthy fats there. So at this point, I think I just wanted to summarize a couple things. And this is also from examine.com looking at a lot of different, uh, research studies. So when we're looking at protein, this is just going to we're gonna speed through this and say what it does for this certain outcome. Does it affect it? Does it improve it? What it does. So for body fat, magnitude of effect, it has a minor decrease in body fat if you're taking in whey protein, and we talked about that um, before, where it might just help you enter into a hypocaloric diet. Uh, for insulin, slight increase that isn't a negative thing. Believe it or not, we do need insulin for that for that pathway. Insulin does increase after. Uh, resistance training and that's also helping to stimulate this uh, protein synthesis lean mass does have a slight minor increase in in lean muscle mass now that's not to be confused with muscle protein synthesis which has a notable increase so there are so many factors that go into this it has to do with how you're training how hard you're training what type of resistance work you're doing whether you're doing whether you are doing resistance work maybe you're doing high intensity interval training work Maybe you are somebody who's just doing body weight or calisthenics. All these are going to affect the stimulus component of that stimulus adaptation uh, response. What affects the magnitude of that response is what stimulus goes in and then also how we are filling our body with these amino acids, getting our amino acid um, acids in our blood to increase. So we talked about a couple different ways. You want to keep that lean meats. Uh, you want to keep that minimally processed foods. And generally after workout, but it is important to note, we don't need to rush to get protein 15 minutes after your workout like many people used to think. Um, And just to throw one more thing in there, some people used to think that super high protein diets were bad for your kidneys. There really isn't research that supports that. Um, People with as high as two grams per kilogram did not show any uh, negative effects with kidneys. Just eat what you need. And for the most part, you're going to excrete what you don't need.
0: So again, just... To recap everything that we've discussed, key takeaways here. Uh, stimulus response adaptation, you're stimulating the muscle for whatever reason you need it. Either you need it to grow, you need it to have, be stronger, or you need it to be more explosive. Then you're adapting to that stimulus by managing your nutrition and managing your recovery, which is a much more broader, broader term. The definition of muscle protein synthesis is the metabolic process that describes the incorporation of amino acids into bound skeletal muscle proteins. Um, there are different types of proteins. There's a soy, casein, pea, but the king of them all is whey protein just because of the essential amino acids and the branch-chained amino acids combination. The optimal protein intake we agreed was Somewhere between uh, no, 1.4 to 2.2 2 uh, grams per kilogram.
1: Or on the low end, we'll say about 0. 0.4 grams for super sedentary, up to 1 gram per pound plus.
0: Okay. And if you are struggling with your protein intake as prescribed by your fitness coach, the best way to ensure that you are hitting your target is by making sure that that is the first thing you consume in the morning, um, just for the sake of hitting the goal. Not because it's healthier for you or it's shown to reduce fat, yada, 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 none of those reasons. It's simply just for the sake of achieving the goal of hitting your protein intake for the day. All right, so that's uh- all we had for today, folks. Next week, we are talking about, yeah, you're right, the F word, fiber.
2: i <laughs> mental <laughs>